ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Now, be honest with me. Did that sound make you reach for your pocket or perhaps look over to your phone? If not, maybe something like this might be more your flavour. Because, like it or not, tones like this are becoming the sound of a generation. And the tool of the trade is the humble mobile phone. But has it gone too far? And are we perhaps becoming a tad too reliant on our smartphones? Or is this simply the way of the future? G'day, I'm Daniel Miles, broadcasting from ABC Warrnambool, filling in for Rochelle Hunt today. And I want to talk to you about your phone specifically your smartphone and whether it's playing too big a role in your life because you know for a while I have to admit it it kind of took over mine for a little bit you know I was hooked on that digital dopamine hit after hours I found myself on the couch spending time doom scrolling away with little to no return in the end so I did something about it I threw my smartphone in a drawer and I went back to basics with the kind of phone that your grandparents might use. I was absolutely sick of how much time I was spending glued on my phone and the guilt that came with it. So I changed and instead of a smartphone, I picked up what we called a smug phone. It could make calls, I could send texts, I could take awful pixelated photos and you know for a while I felt so great I was connected to the world the birds were singing I could breathe in the fresh blue air I was born again but like most things it just didn't last I fell back into temptation and my smartphone returned but not for the reasons you might think but first I want to hear from you do you have a healthy or an unhealthy relationship with your phone Is it an addiction for you or are we getting righteous about new tech and the choices that people make? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour. You're with me, Daniel Miles, filling in for Rochelle Hunt here on The Conversation Hour and we're talking about that digital extension to your arm, your smartphone, and whether it's encroaching on our lives, perhaps just a little bit too much. Mine was... So I did something about it, as did Hannah Vanderheide. Hannah's a freelance writer and, by her own admission, was addicted to her mobile. She wrote a piece for Mamma Mia about doing a digital detox. Hannah, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on the Conversation Hour. Give us a bit of an insight into this. How much time were you spending on your phone? Because I need you to make me feel a little bit better about my addiction. Oh, get ready, get ready. I was clocking in six hours a day, average. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. right. And but, but a lot of my work takes place on my phone, so <laughs> that's my excuse. Okay. When you saw that six-hour figure, that was obviously through one of the apps telling you exactly, yeah. you know, how much time you were on the screen. How did it make you feel? Oh, I had the same reaction as you. I felt guilty. I felt guilt, which is such an interesting response, isn't it? I thought, God, what's wrong with you? Why can't you why can't you control yourself, you know? It was yeah, guilt God. and it was shame almost, right? Right. So you took up a detox. Talk us through that. How did that all start? 
Well, I, I did a little bit of research and I did I did have a look at, you know, the best best methods for this stuff because, you know, there's a lot of apps you can download that block you out of your your specific um, you know, your 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 apps that, that pull you in the most. But honestly mm -hmm. I found my way around those so quickly, my brain just instantly just went over the obstacle so they didn't work for me uh, <laughs> but what I did was it, it was similar to you honestly not quite as extreme I'm very impressed with your your full detox but mm. I deleted all of those apps from my phone completely all social media mm -hmm. I locked my phone away for certain hours of the day and I assigned myself only um, half hour blocks where I'm able to access my phone for the things that I, I needed it for for work and for a while that worked <laughs> So tell us, through, how did it feel? You had that, you know, the phone there, all of a sudden, your Instagrams, your social medias, your Facebooks aren't there pinging away. What was the first thing that happened to you when you sort of took stock and tried to think about how you were feeling? Honestly, I've, I felt like a full body exhale. It was instantaneous. I know it was, the fact that it was instant was so telling to me. I found it so, um, so eye-opening I think I'd been so deep in such an automatic response to my phone that disconnecting it, yeah, instantly I felt a difference, which was amazing. And a lot of this, I understand, was influenced or inspired perhaps by uh, your young toddler who had a, a yeah. pretty interesting reaction when he saw you pull out your phone. Can you tell us about that? Bless him. He's, he's, yeah, he sees everything, as they all do, and he, he, does, he does now grab grab me and my husband's phone from us and say, no phone, mummy, no phone. <laughs> and he puts it down and I, I can't, like that's just the most in incredible direction. I can't ignore that. Um, and it is, it's a, you know, it's a really big problem. There were, um, there's a, tw a 2021 study that I think I referenced in the piece where they found <clears throat> that parents exhibit something called still face when we're on our phones. How creepy is that? Still oh. face. Okay, yep. I'm, I'm I know. Isn't that just giving you the shivers? And yeah, the, hairs yeah, on the back of my mothers, neck just went up. Yeah. They say mothers were, were less responsive and initiated fewer activities when, you know, they had heavy phone use. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't be that. <laughs> so how did it go? You, you turned the phone off. You didn't have these apps. Did it mm. work? It really, it really did. It really worked. And similar to you, it was a short-term fix. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because I, you know, I need to be so online for my job, and I think um, I think that's part of the challenge that the, the environment we find ourselves in these days. We, this is a natural response to the environment. I think we need to be really gentle with ourselves. You know, you, yours and my response of guilt and sort of almost shamefulness. I don't think that's the right response because I think. Um, it's a big ask to, to resist our natural response to what we're being handed with this hustle culture and this digital culture. So, you know, it's a huge, complex issue. <laughs> We've got people texting story. in on their phones, which is also yeah. a, a very ironic part ironic. of this conversation, isn't it? Uh, Sam yeah. in Sunshine says, I switched to an old school Nokia flip phone after I became addicted to my iPhone and cured it overnight. Smug phones mm. save lives. And that's what I did too. I, I was in a really similar position to you, I think, Hannah. I had, a, I had a young bub. I had my phone with me. And all of a sudden, I realised I'm looking at this, you know, little black mirror in my hands instead of, mm. you know, paying attention. So I went over to the old phone that could do nothing other than, you know, make a call. It might have had a calculator. I don't know. Did it have Snake? 
Gosh, I if it today. had snake, it would have stayed. I can guarantee <laughs> yeah. you that it didn't have snake. Um, but I found I couldn't. I didn't have a camera with me, and I had all these beautiful moments that I'm sharing with my young daughter. And I was trying to take photos, and it looked like I was taking it, you know, through a frosted window. The camera yeah. was that bad. So, did you find that as well, having a young toddler, that all of a sudden, you know, you wanted to share these moments on social media or, or that kind of thing, yeah. and you felt like you were holding yourself back? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's that. And I tried putting it on airplane mode. That was one thing. But I can turn that off so easily. It's just how do you override that natural automatic, you know, click of a button. But, yeah, airplane mode is one that I would recommend because it, it did work. <laughs> so you can still use your, your camera. And you just turn it into basically a glorified camera. <laughs> I like that. A, a glorified yeah. camera in your pocket. We're talking about mm-hmm. smartphones and whether they're taking over our lives or whether we perhaps just need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Hannah Vanderhyde, you did a digital detox. What was the end result after you went through your detox, you took all the social media off your phone? How mm-hmm. did your experiment end? Help us. I saw, you know, I had the data. I had a 29, I think it was, percent reduction in my screen time uh, report after seven days and that actually went down again the following week I had like a 54% or something amazing Uh, I also was able to reintroduce my meditation practice so all these things go hand in hand don't they I found the time to do that and then I think the meditation practice led back into keeping me a little bit firm on my detox because it gave me that that mental break Mm -hmm. um, between that Uh, automatic reaction to grab my phone um but you know inevitably i have it has crept back up recently as work got really busy again so i'm due for another one Uh, (laughs) and i'm going to listen to the rest of this hour and hear all the tips (laughs) oh good we've got a lot of experts coming on the conversation hour to to maybe help you and me together one one quick one before we let you go hannah what does your toddler say now when you pick up the phone has there been a change or has that, that, that detox worked to, um, to get rid of that still mum face that we all fall into? I think the funniest thing is that because I still take photos of him, he's now in this phase where he's loving the photos and he does an actual photo pose. So when I get my oh. phone out, he does this hilarious little photo face and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> I think he started associating it more with photos than with, with me being distracted, which is great news. <laughs> Well, if he does a cute face, you're smiling at it and it's a total win overall. (laughs) Hannah Vanderheide, thanks so much for joining us on the Conversation Hour. Thanks for having me, Daniel. That was Hannah Vanderheide, freelance writer, someone who, you know, was very open, admitted it, addicted to her mobile phone, wrote a piece for Mamma Mia about her digital detox and now has a toddler that does a cute smile face instead of saying, Mama, no, get off your phone. This is the Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Daniel Miles in the host chair here in ABC Warrnambool, stepping in for Rochelle Hunt today, taking the reins on the Conversation Hour, when I want to talk to you about your mobile phone. Are you comfortable with your phone? Do you have a good relationship with your phone? Mine's... Tenuous, you know, we have good days, we have bad days, it's like all relationships, but sometimes I fall into that trap and I find myself a little bit too deep on a doom scroll and I need someone to pull me out. So what do you do when you fall into that situation? With these sorts of conversations, I like to talk to people who are a lot smarter than me. Some would say that's not very hard to find, but one person who knows more than this 
uh, more about this than many is Dr Paul Harrison. He's Senior Lecturer at the Unit Chair of Consumer Behaviour in the Department of Marketing at the Deakin Business School. Uh, Dr Paul Harrison, good morning to you. I'm going to start off Can with I an easy you? one. What's yep. your phone addiction like? Are you, are you okay with the mobile? Right now, it's pretty good. I, I mean, I do kind of look at it and I do sometimes doom scroll, but um, it's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I actually do kind of practice what I preach and I go through processes to kind of get me out of that doom scroll as well. Is phone addiction a real thing? Are, are we making something up out of nothing here or is this something that people are, you know, really focusing on? It, it is definitely a real thing and there's lots of research papers about it as Hannah was talking about as well is that it, it is something that is a concern and I think one of the things that's always critical is for us to kind of come to terms with the fact that you know we've pretty much got the same brain that was developed you know around 200,000 years ago it's pretty much the same primate brain that we've always had and yet the technology is kind of feeding that need for us to run away from boredom, to kind of feed into the dopamine loop and all of those kinds of things. So it is something, it's that thing of, of we like to think we're in control, but in reality, the things that are happening, the reason why we turn to our phones are natural instinctual behaviours. And we shouldn't, like I, I love what Hannah was saying, which is we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves um, in terms of feeling guilty, but we should be going, okay, so how do we kind of get ourselves out of this process, out of this loop? So what's happening in the market? We know, as you mentioned, there's that dopamine hit that draws people in and keeps people addicted, I guess, so to speak, because mm. we're, we're going back for that little high, aren't we? That, that, that feeling of either validation or joy. So in every part of business, there's a part of the market that you know, tries <laughs> to either capitalise or, or take a tangent from it. What's happening out there from a market and a business perspective when it comes to yeah, I- phone addiction? Well, I think, I mean, one of the really interesting things, particularly talking about kind of dopamine and things like that, is that one of the recent discoveries, and it's coming through in the kind of behavioural literature as well, is this idea of the seeking behaviour. So it's not just, we don't get the buzz when we actually get the phone open or look at it. There is a kind of a, a response, which is we're looking forward to the buzz. And so what happens is that over time, we're now trained to get excited in anticipation of what opening the phone or opening you know an app is going to be and one of the things that a lot of us are doing whenever we open that phone or whenever we get online or anything like that is we're going into an algorithm we're going into you know a form of neural networking that is constantly testing what keeps people um, engaged and on the phone as long as possible long enough to get them through to see the ads or to gather data and I think in the past, and you know, I work in a university, when you wanted to do experiments, you'd have to go through an ethics process, you'd have to kind of make sure that people were agreeing to be part of this experiment. Now, every day, every time we open our phone, we are part of an experiment and it's done in areas like gaming or gambling. Um, all sorts of kind of apps are constantly testing the stimuli that is going to have the best business outcome for the business. And they know our brains so well, they know our behaviour so well, they're able to hook us in so easily. Uh, um, Dr Paul Harrison, stay with us because Bella's given us a call from Burwood. Bella, good morning to you. What would you like to say? Hello, hi. Um, I just want to share my experience about phone use. Um, I, um, we had a, a child in 2021 and uh, we travelled with him um, 
in Europe for seven months in a caravan. And wow. um, before that, I found myself um, like I couldn't live with my, without my phone. Like I couldn't eat without looking at my phone. I, before I go to bed, I have to look at my phone before I fall asleep or even mm-hmm. just feel tired. Um, yeah, just anything. And um, during the trip, I found that I'm not using my phone at all. If any, I would just take a photo and then process the photo, say something about the photo on the social media at night. So when I come back, I realized like, why I don't think um, living is a journey itself. Like, like I, I don't want to miss anything while I'm mm. leaving as well. So looking at my phone is like, uh, this is not anything important, you know. Eating food is not important. Going to bed is not important. But it is, you know, like the present is important. Bella. So that changed my way of looking at it. <laughs> I love holiday self because holiday Daniel is always so much more zen and insightful than work Daniel. And it sounds like holiday Bella hit it right on the head with her phone. Is that something that you're seeing in the research that you've done, Dr. Paul Harrison, that people are going on trips or having these epiphany moments and it's actually taking them out of that addiction loop with phones? Well, I think it's taking them out of their normal life. And one of the really strong correlates with addiction to smartphones is a sense of boredom. And so boredom is actually a useful emotion because it tells us, you know, you're not doing something and, you know, we evolve to want to do something to keep on striving. But when we're on holidays, we're not bored. Um, You know, the holiday Paul and the holiday Daniel and the holiday Bella are doing exciting things all the time. So we don't feel the need as much to kind of be drawn to that. And there's some interesting kind of research that suggests that there are relationships between anxiety, phone use and boredom. What the relationship is in terms of causal paths is still being investigated but there are there correlates and so i think it's clear that you know when we're bored um boredom is a good thing it kind of tells us things aren't going well but when we're on holidays or even when we're kind of out talking to people or doing something we reach for our phone because we're afraid of the boredom and that that sort of leads to another interesting point as well that anxiety that can come from either a being bored or not having that connection because On the flip side, we've never been more connected in our lives than we are now. We have the ability to ping people, we can message them, we can open our phone and and see them face to face. Is Mm. there an element of this that we should be talking about, about how how brilliant it is to be so connected, especially perhaps for introverts who may not feel as comfortable in an outgoing, bubbly social setting, they might feel a bit more in control behind a screen? And exactly right. And that was the other thing I was going to say is that nothing, it's not all bad, you know, that there's kind of, we're looking at the connection, the digital divide, it's called in the research, and it's this idea between low income and minority populations. It's things like with learning, um, people use apps for bird watching and for looking at the stars and things like that, um, for health. So it's not all bad. And I think, you know, even, you know, when you go and use your phone, sometimes people are using their phone even to order your food at your minute when you're sitting down at a cafe. So or listening to the ABC via the ABC Listen app. Exactly, I have to exactly. That. 
well, that's like the the main reason you have your phone open. <laughs> but I think, but I think this is the thing: is that we've got to be very careful not to think that everything is bad about these things. It's about trying to find that balance and. Even connecting people on social media, there's some really interesting research around young people, um, work, work that I did with a colleague in Italy, how they connect with one another, even on TikTok, of all things. Oh. And it's, it's a way of communicating to each other how they're feeling about something. And it's not, it's not as direct, but things like... There's, there's this interesting thing that the work that was done was that we found that people talk about things as a means of bringing people into their social group, not necessarily telling people what to do, but share their thoughts and their feelings about something as a means of kind of social identity in an international context. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. This on the text line, I feel really sorry for your listeners who are so stuck on their phones. I live by a simple rule. I own my devices, not my devices owning me. And this one from Ben from Hampton. Just had a shower with my phone listening to the ABC <laughs> Listen app. If you take your phone to the toilet, you have a problem. Uh, ben, you and I can chat about this at another time. That's, that's not one for the radio waves. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, before I let you go, you spoke about young people. Often when we talk about problems with phones, the, uh, the blame goes straight to the, to the millennials and the young people using their talk ticks and all that kind of thing. Do we <laughs> sometimes forget that it's actually the older generations who created and made these apps and are, and are profiteering off them in many ways? I think that's a really salient point, Daniel. And I think also the, the critical thing is that there doesn't seem to be a strong relationship across demographics. Like, all demographics use phones, but I think it's that classic thing of, you know, older people always look at something and go, what's going on with the young'uns kind of thing, rather than actually saying, what's my behaviour like? And I think, again, there are real benefits to young people having smartphones, but I also think then it's about, you know, even handing your child a tablet or a mobile phone when they're distressed is partially your fault. You know, you've created this environment for your child. And I understand that people want to kind of, you know, relax and calm down and things like that. But I think, you know, we've taken some of that responsibility out of that, you know, that um, it's easy to just hand them the phone so I can get on and do the things I want to do rather than saying, I'm here with my child, I need to come up with a way to work as a team with my child and I don't necessarily need to give them a screen. So it sounds like we need to find a balance. Oh, as always, you know, everything in moderation, including moderation, I think is the way to go. <laughs> Dr. Paul Harrison, thank you so much for joining us on the Conversation Hour. Cheers, Daniel. That was Dr. Paul Harrison, Senior Lecturer and the Unit Chair of Consumer Behaviour in the Department of Marketing at the Deakin Business School. Bernadette has given us a call from Footscray. Good morning, Bernadette. How are you liking the conversation? Are you, are you on oh, your phone I too much? No, no. Well, maybe. I don't think so. Um, I tend to use it for uh, accessing music in my car um, mm -hmm. because I live in the country mostly um, and um, for listen app when I'm in the country because there's no decent reception. Oh, Bernadette checks no in the mail for that one. Thank reception. you. Yes. And the other thing is um, people, I think, I don't know, maybe there's an age demographic because I notice when I'm in the city, it's really younger people who are glued to their phones as they cross the road in front of you. Mm-hmm. Thank so you. I don't know whether there's a thing about age too, you know. Maybe, I'm somewhat maybe. over 50. So, okay. Yeah, so I didn't grow up with phones. Well, that's the thing. And now we're in a position where, you know, some of these younger people are better at phones than any of us. Bernadette, thanks for giving us a call. I've aged out of that demographic of people who know how to use technology. My parents don't come to me anymore. They come to my younger sibling uh, because clearly I'm, I'm too old to understand these things. 
but we're talking about mobile phones, not whether I'm good at technology or not. How is your relationship with your mobile phone? Is it a healthy one? Do you have tips or tricks for how we might be able to live a safe and comfortable and happy life with your mobile phone? This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. You're with me, Daniel Miles, on the Conversation Hour, filling in for Rochelle Hunt on ABC Radio Melbourne and ABC Victoria, where we're talking about that digital extension to our bodies, that little black mirror that sits in our pocket and is such a crucial part of our life, the mobile phone. But have we gone too far with it? Do you have a healthy relationship with your phone? I want to know, 0437 774 774, or pick up that unhealthy device, give us a call, 1300 222 774, Extra points if you can send us in a fax. I wouldn't even know the number to give you for a fax. But if we... I mean, it's the ABC. Of course, we still have a fax machine. So, hey, if you find it, maybe there's Gardening Australia magazine in it for you. I don't have the power to do this, but I'm just saying it over the radio. So, we'll make it work. We're talking about phones and smartphones. A couple of great texts in here. Hi. Strange topic to cover on ABC Radio when you're wanting us to have more presence on digital platform. Thank you for that. Daniel, I'm still using a 2008 Samsung SGH A412 3G. It's a tool, not a tyrant, says Lorraine from Hastings. And this one, you guys are awful. You made me stop and scroll for no apparent reason. That was an anonymous text, so apologies to you, anonymous. Brad Giblin is someone who likes it when you're scrolling. He's the chief operating officer at X-Team, a software development company. He joins the conversation now. Uh, Brad, same question that I've given to everyone else so far. What's your relationship with your phone like? I imagine in your line of work, you have to be, I don't know, pretty clued in. Yeah, look, probably probably a little on the high side in terms of usage. Um, very tempted to justify the enormous amount of screen time that I have with uh, the tools that you need on a day-to-day basis, but I'm sure there's a lot in there that can probably be, be disposed of. So far from, far from perfect. Well, that's we're all far from perfect, and that's a perfect way to be in our world. Brad, there feels like there's been a movement towards curbing the amount of time that we all spend on our screen. There are things like mindfulness meters. You've got screen time scores. Is this yeah. bad news for the software industry, or is this just the next you know, element and the nexus that, that these software and app companies are, are moving towards, apps that actually get us away from our phone in the first place? Yeah, I think there's been a big push from especially the, the platform providers, so your Apples and Androids of the world, to basically just make sure that people are a little bit more aware of where they're spending the time. I mean, you could argue that they they make more money the more you spend on it, but really they want to have they want you to have a good relationship with your phone that's, you know, sustainable and, and you're kind of working on high value things that maybe help your whether it's your well-being or your day-to-day like productivity, things like that, that's where they probably want to sell you a phone. They don't want to sell you a phone for that fourth hour of scrolling Instagram for the day. So there's a lot more tools over the last, let's say, you know, five years to help you reflect, measure that as, as well as control it. How aware are software companies and app companies about the fact that people are looking to, to get away from their phones? Is this something that's being built in or is this something that's really... I guess they're really cognizant of? Yeah, so it, it probably came more so through through our kids, through wanting to control these things that we, <laughs> funnily enough, we know are bad, but we, we're, we weren't really worried about our own usage of these until recently. In the same way, I guess, that TVs, you know, had that 
that uh, stereotype for a long time about, you know, it's bad for kids, but really, you know, adults are large perpetuators of, you know, excess TV consumption. But um, I guess it came out of that uh, control of like family controls. And now what you're seeing is it's built into the operating systems of all the phones. So you don't have to buy anything else or get a new app or something like that. You can, from a very um, kind of low level control, everything from applications through to kind of categories of services. So you don't spend too much time on a specific thing like social media uh, or games or something like that. You can do that for other family members of your house. You can put um, increasingly one of the one of the nice things to do is control your usage at certain times of the day. So where you might have you know unfettered access throughout the whole day, uh, you might actually want to say, look, after nine p.m., no screens for anyone. Like it's it's not good having that tempting you on your bedside table. <clears throat> excuse me, or you know first thing in the morning, or just control the apps that are used through that time. So if it, if it happens to be reading or something productive, fantastic. But, you know, you don't let yourself get into those traps of scrolling or watching, you know, short videos on YouTube or Instagram or whatever that may be, TikTok, uh, incessantly. So knowing what's good for yourself and then being very easily able to put those controls in place. We're hearing from some of the research that people are spending, you know, like Hannah admitted to at the top six hours a day on our phones, 17 years in total can be spent on mobile phones, according to some research yeah. that we've seen, which is something that, that really just, okay, I guess, baffles me a little bit. Is there <laughs> an element of this where, you know, the phones are doing part of it to, to show us how much we're, we're using them and, and, you know, give us an alert if we're on for too long or anything like that. But what about the actual physical behaviour sides that we as humans need to do around, you know, using our phones at the dinner table, in bed, um, in front yeah. of children, how much of that is our responsibility versus the software company's responsibility? So look, it always starts with us because the software doesn't do anything by default. It won't tell you you've you've spent all this time unless you really kind of opt into that. And and they're getting a little bit more uh, aggressive in, in letting us know some of those figures, even though we might not want to hear them. But you generally have to start in the first instance with deciding you know to care about this stuff and so what i the way i usually think about it is uh, so your point about i guess yeah being baffled by those figures i think probably everybody listening to this is thinking wow six hours a day or 17 years of your life that seems ridiculous but many of us i mean that's the average right so so many of us are going to be more than that and you just oh. you'd quite frankly be be um be astounded by your own usage. So um, as a as a thought exercise, maybe have a think about how much you think you spend on your phone a day. Jump into the the um, screen time on the iPhones or I think it's called digital wellbeing on Android and see if that matches up. And and that's really the, the first question because if you think that you know you're only on the phone one or two hours a day, you happen to be on it for four to six hours, then you can start to by measuring it, you can start to figure out, well, am I happy with that time? Do I, did I like spending that third hour on Instagram? <laughs> did I, you know, or can I justify it by, you know, maps or Kindle or, you know, music apps or ABC Listen or things that I actually get value out of? Because that's fine if you spend six hours a day on those things because you actually enjoy it. It's the, it's the time that you, you really don't know about that you get sucked down into these kind of rabbit holes that, you know, we, we all can reflect on and, and make those changes quite easily. 
Brad, I'm in the depth of a rabbit hole just thinking about it, uh, <laughs> and I'm also a little bit scared to look at my time. Brad Giblin, thank you very much for joining us on the Conversation Hour. No worries, Daniel. That was Brad Giblin, Chief Operating Officer at X-Team, a software development company that's looking into all things digital detox and keeping a track on some of the things that we don't want to keep a track on, or at least I know I don't like keeping a track on. Kevis, uh, your thoughts on this? Kevin from Carlton's texted in, I never look at my phone while on the loo. Oh, and I always remember to remove my reading glasses when I leave. Uh, thanks for that one, Kevin. And a tip from the text line, I have all notifications turned off for all apps on my phone. This gives me control to check in for messages, emails, etc. a few times a day when I'm free and when suits me. By doing this, I find a way to have more control over my time and I'm less of a slave to the phone and constant cha-ching notifications. Very good uh, thoughts there. Julie's given us a bell from Warrigal. Uh, Julie, good morning to you. Good morning. I find that uh, the phone probably is a little bit of a mixed blessing. Uh, during mm -hmm. the COVID lockdown, we had a family Facebook group, group, which was really a blessing because it meant that we could keep in touch without being under pressure respond to it whenever we chose to, etc., etc. Uh, if I go out anywhere on my own, instead of sitting like the proverbial shag on a rock uh, while everybody else seems to be socialising, <laughs> I can just sit there and pull my phone out and look at it. And I don't look so socially isolated. Um so, Julie, do you think it's like everything? It's all things in moderation and perhaps we're being a little bit harsh on the fact that, you know, it may be something that, that some people can be a little bit too addicted to, but perhaps there's the benefits of that social connection that it gives us. And also, yeah. you know, for introverts like us, uh, if you're sitting um, alone somewhere, it takes up a lot of time and makes you look very busy. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't game. I don't um, gamble. I'm not interested in them. Um it's a very quick way of getting information. It absolutely is. Julie, thank you very much for giving us a call. So what is your relationship with your phone like? Do you have a way of limiting the amount of time you spend on it? Have you attempted to go back to a retro phone or is it all just too hard for now? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour. Daniel Miles in the host's chair here at ABC Warrnambool on The Conversation Hour and we're talking about that digital extension to your arm, your smartphone. Whether it's encroaching on our lives, perhaps just a little bit too much. And are we addicted to that smartphone? Has it gone too far? One person who knows a lot about this is Associate Professor Nicholas Van Dam. He's the Director of Contemplative Studies Centre at the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences at Melbourne University. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us on the Conversation Hour today. Uh, what's your relationship with your phone like? Um, I mean, I think like most people, um, you know, it, it does a lot of things for me that I want it to do. Um, and, you know, occasionally it, it, it is a bit of a distraction and gets in the way. Is it possible to be addicted to your phone? Um, I think, you know, the, the term addiction is, it can be a little bit contentious in general. Um, I, I, my background in training as a clinical psychologist, and even when we talk about people who have issues with substances, you know, we're talking about ice or heroin or things like that, we typically wouldn't even use the term addiction anymore. Um, so I, th I think that that's sort of one thing to flag. Um, 
Look, I think when it comes down to something like um, engagement with your phone or we can talk about, you know, engagement with the Internet or the television or anything, I mean, of course, there's um, for, for individuals, there, there are levels of use that can be problematic. Um, and clinically, what we would say sort of is that when the patterns of use are interfering with day-to-day function in our life, then that, that's the point at which we'd be concerned. Um, so, so when someone is, is using something, so say their smartphone, um, and it's starting to interfere with their ability to do their job or take care of their responsibilities at home or um, be with their family in the way that they want to be, then, then we might call that problematic use. A lot of the, this conversation also, I guess, comes down to value judgment, what you think is actually good for you and if it's a bad thing to be on your phone so much. Is this getting a little bit judgmental, this kind of conversation about being on your phone too much? Could being on your phone be actually a good thing if it brings you joy? I mean, I think, I think any time we veer into this area of addiction, it often tends to be a judgmental one in some sense, right? I mean, even when we talk about sort of the history of alcohol use or other substances that were problematic, there often was the sense that it was a moral failing of the individual who uh, developed a problem with that substance. So I think inherently there's some sense of moral judgment on the individual that's doing it, that, you know, you're allowing your children to engage with the screen too much or... Um, you're allowing yourself to engage with it too much as if it's sort of a, as a simple and straightforward decision that, that people can and, and do make on a day-to-day basis when, in, in basis when, in fact, often it's not necessarily something they, they, they choose to do, um, at least not sort of, you know, intentionally in the way that, you know, you might choose to, um, to, to participate in exercise or not. Um, so I think it's, it is important to keep that in mind, right, that there is an element sort of of, uh, of judgment. Um, but I also think sort of there is an element of the way in which we engage with our phones can, can be quite useful. Um, you know, there's many things. And I think about sort of when I get my report that tells me, you know, from Apple that tells me how often I engage with my phone, I think about, well, most of the time that I use my phone for is things related to work or travel or you know, occasionally social media, um, but but many of those things are actually in some ways required of me. So, you know, I, I need to reply to emails as part of my job and certainly setting up boundaries and thinking about when do I not want to be replying to emails is an important consideration. Um, but, but often during the day, I'll use it to reply to emails. And so that actually can make my life easier in some ways. And that information can be empowering. Nicholas Van Dam, stay with us because David's given us a call from Q. You've got a couple of tips, David. Good morning. Good morning, yes. So I found a little trick online on an article whereby I've got my iPhone. You can go into notification settings and go down to badges, and they're the red dots that stick out on your apps, um, on your homepage. And you can actually turn the badges off, and it uh, really helped me to not keep on going into messages, but just go into messages at times during the day. Uh, to just check when I want to, when when I've got emails coming through or WhatsApps or messages. And actually, yeah, I found my uh, my time on those apps decreased as a result of just turning off all badges because they really, they, they have a way of sort of getting you, uh, that, giving that sort of adrenaline to go on your apps when you've got that big red dot. So, yeah, that was the little tip I thought I'd share. Gotcha. So you're not looking for that dot. You're going in whenever you feel you had the time. You didn't find yourself falling into that trap of just checking just in case, just in case there's something there? No, well, so, of course, sometimes I'll do that. But I, 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 won't, I won't just say for Instagram, for example, I'll just, um, I'll just go in uh, to, and look at the messages when, when I want to. I won't, it, won't just, it doesn't just come up on my homepage or uh, there's that big red dot. I'll just... Um, I'll go into messages as and when, and if someone 
really needs me. Otherwise, I just trust that they're going to call me, really. David, thank you very much for your call. Nicholas Van Dam, Director in the Contemplative Studies Centre. Are we seeing people do similar things to David, taking their taking their agency into their own hands and, and finding a way to, to reduce their own screen time? Or are people more and more looking for, for apps and, and other ways to, to, I guess, reduce the amount of time we're on our phones? I think to some extent, I think, that, I mean, the, I think the whole problem with, what, you know, us talking about sort of smartphones is sort of that um, the conversation often we're not having sort of is the extent to which we as individuals sort of have responsibility for managing this and the extent to which these devices are actually designed to engage us. Um, and, you know, if you take, if you go down to the bat route of saying, well, if these devices are sort of designed to ping and alert and notify us every time we put them down, um, that obviously makes it harder to, 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 to not engage with them. And so I think there's kind of a battle going on here between sort of us in terms of what we think we want to do and maybe what we actually want to do. And then these devices, which ultimately are competing for our attention. And a number of people are, uh, and are quite keen to sort of find solutions to this quite actively. Um, but I think other people sort of just um, might just go ahead and sort of do whatever feels natural or just kind of comes to them. And, and you know, they only realize that sort of they want to change that if they actually set aside time to think about it, which I think is realistic. I don't know that all of us really do with anything mm. all that often. And Nicholas, before I let you go, uh, is there an ethical consideration here when it comes to responsibility, whose responsibility really is it to moderate and make sure the amount of use is safe? Is it those creating the phones and the apps or the people picking up the phone in the first place? Well, I, th- I think it depends partially sort of on who we're talking about. Um, obviously, if it's children, um, I think the story is a bit different. Um, and I would say sort of, you know, we, we probably want to impose some rules on um, the, the developers um, with respect to sort of the programs that they're designing. Um, but, but of course, the reality sort of is that the data sort of those reports that have come out recently that suggest that despite what most people would say, that the kind of links between screen time and things like mental health are, are nowhere as clear as certain media outlets would suggest. Um, so I, I think it's, it's something that it's, I don't think you can say clearly it's one or the other. It's the individual or it's the company or the organization or the developer. I think it's a shared responsibility where we sort of have to work together to decide what we're comfortable with as, as individuals and as society. But then, of course, I think we do have to have some standards and we do have to be aware of how people work and how people's brains work and the kinds of things that are going to get our attention. And, you know, we need, while keeping that in mind, you know, there ought to be some rules and stipulations as to how programs or apps can be developed because there are some patterns whereby, you know, if something pings you at the right time in the right place, it's going to make your life very difficult in the sense of, you know, you're probably going to really struggle to not pick it up um, mm. if you're that type of person who really wants to know what somebody is saying, um, you know, at the minute that they're saying it. Yep, they get us that way. Associate Professor Nicholas Van Dam, thanks for joining us on the Conversation Hour. My pleasure. That was Associate Professor Nicholas Van Dam from the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences at Melbourne University talking about addiction, whether we can actually physically be addicted to our phone. This on the text line. Hi, Daniel. I use my mobile to connect with my vast extended families overseas. I'm part of new family groups on WhatsApp and we keep in touch with what's happening with families around the world in various countries. Of course, good morning messages are always positive and an inspiring start to the day. Minimum max 60 minutes a day. That's from Peter in Wallet, who's got his phone use under control. And this question, when does an interest in news become doom scrolling? I think anyone who's listening to the ABC can probably relate to that in some way 
or another. I know I can. But when it comes to our phones, safety is often a number one consideration. Where we use it, how we use it, and how much of our attention goes to these little devices. Associate Professor Michael Fitzharris from the Monash Accident Research Centre joins us this morning. Michael, I understand you'll have a, a strong look at the way people are using their phones while driving. We know it's bad, but what does the research tell us about the dangers of distraction and looking at your mobile phone when you're behind the wheel? Good morning, Daniel. Yes, uh, hello, listeners. I think one of the key things, of course, is that there's really two sort of risks that go on when you use the phone. The relationship to, to having a near crash or what we call a safety critical event is really high. Um, and we see that when people engage uh, with their phone, like they pick it up, they look at it, they scroll it, um, that takes time, but that can up to triple your risk of being involved in an actual crash. And depending on the speed you're going, um, it can be a minor impact um, in terms of you're not going to hospital, but it can also be much more significant and severe that might require an ambulance and so on and interactions with pedestrians. So, yeah, we do see really quite significant uh, negative impacts on the road in, in, in the way people use their phone, both drivers and pedestrians and other road users. Well, that's the interesting thing as well. It's pedestrians as well, people who might be walking across the road and have their eyes glued to their phone. Is there something we can do about this? I know there are phone cameras, there are camera systems out there that are starting to look and detect if people are using their phones while driving. Is, is that the answer? It's one answer. I think um, just stepping back just very quickly, um, one of the issues, of course, in using a phone or scrolling or being on the phone is the cognitive effort. So you're actually engaged in another task while you're actually in the road environment um, and that compromises our safety just straight away because we need to be alert, attentive and it might, it's, it's other people as well in their vehicles or cyclists, you know, quite complex um, environments as well. And people might have a preference to say, oh, I'm only using it when I'm going slow. But when you're slow, it's also very congested. Um, there's a lot more happening. Lane changes can be actually a little bit more common uh, in that scenario. And of course, then you've got the, the time if your eyes are actually not on the road looking forward and hands on the wheel. So, you know, in three seconds, you've travelled at 60k the length of an Olympic swimming pool, 50 metres. Um, and even at that slower speed, you've gone about 33 metres. So in that three seconds. The thing that can be solutions to this is the mobile phone cameras that came in in Victoria operational in March. Um, there were new laws put in place and we see that they'll have a significant impact on catching people um, across the board. Uh, and, and it's not just a phone use, it's your tablet as well. And there's rules around even turning the phone on and off and handing it to others or sending or looking at the phone. And that's a four four demerit points and a $545 fine. And that the level of that indicates the, the, the high risk that this is this mm. is seen to be for road users. Um, but that's just one solution. Mm. And, Michael, before we let you go, how, how common a problem is this? Do we actually have stats or figures that show how many people are being glued to their phone while they're behind the wheel? Or are we, you know, exacerbating this in the media? No, I, I think it is a real problem. So in a study that we did looking at people hospitalised, we're seeing um, of people in rear impact crashes. These are people who are really severely injured, um, somewhere between 4 and 6% where people were, where we in our study funded by the TAC and at the Alfred and Royal Melbourne definitively were handling their phone or using their phone. Pedestrians we see around uh, in a pre-COVID study of 
4,000 pedestrians observed in, in, in Melbourne, it was 20% and a third of those had a safety critical event mm. where they, they stepped out and had to step back. So all the research evidence from around the world shows that this is a, a, a really clear and present danger. Um, and, I, and, you know, what I would suggest is... Um, Things like putting it in the in the glove box and lo locking the glove box or a bag in the back seat where it's sort of out of reach, out of mind, um, because um, if if that problematic use um, can lead to using the phone in scenarios that mm. can be much more dangerous than we think, and that's that's where the road safety risk really is. Beautifully put, Michael Fitzharris. Thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks, Daniel. That was Associate Professor Michael Fitzharris from the Monash Accident Research Centre. A couple of tips there. Put it in the glove box, in a bag, under the seat. Mine falls under the seat no matter where I try and put it. So that's an accidental uh, tip. But as was, as I said at the program, the top of the program, changing it over and putting it over to a, a smug phone, a phone that didn't do anything but calls and texts. And that's something that we're seeing a little bit of a trend with. Greg Howell is the General Manager of Merchandise, Mobiles and Connectivity at Officeworks. And Greg, are we seeing an increase in the number of people who are buying these phones that don't have social media? Hi, Daniel. Uh, yes, we certainly are. I think it's quite interesting. We're seeing thousands of our customers actually uh, coming into shop. What we call feature phones, you know, those phones that were hugely popular in the late uh, 90s and early noughties. Um, and it's not just the customers that are coming in that's showing us that trend, but we've got some of the big brands that we deal with actually introducing new models that actually are focused at um, feature phones rather than smartphones. So who are the people that are buying these phones? Oh, there's probably about three different uh, categories uh, that we find. We've certainly got some of the older generation who uh, are quite intimidated by a smartphone and uh, just want to have a phone that, you know, they can uh, take calls and send and receive texts. You've got the uh, parents who are quite nervous about... Um, some of the young kids having a smartphone and, and the risks that are associated with it. And then there, I guess, the other uh, large segment, which is around the, the younger generation, the, the Gen Zs who, you know, that term of digital detox, those, um, those younger generations who, you know, we often hear people spending more than four hours a day on the phone and they're actually wanting to switch off. So uh, if for them, it's an opportunity to get, actually get a secondary phone. Um, the, the big benefit with uh, feature phones are they're actually quite affordable. So for that generation, they can certainly get a secondary phone. And on the weekend, they can actually have that digital detox and switch off and just go out and enjoy their evening. Enjoying their evenings, what we're all about here. And Greg Howell, if I can get Snake on one of those phones, you might actually get me over full time. Greg, thanks for giving us a call. That was Greg Howell, the General Manager of Merchandise Mobiles and Connectivity at Officeworks. Thanks so much for joining me on the Conversation Hour this morning. Morning. My name's Daniel Miles. Rochelle Hunt is back with you tomorrow looking at plant-based food and milk. Is it good for us and the environment or is it just good packaging and marketing winning us over? Make sure you tune in and listen to that. You can get it anywhere that a radio turns on or on the ABC Listen app.